0: This episode of Craft Sanity is sponsored by WoolPets.com, your source for needle felting kits and supplies. Check out the shop at WoolPets.com and read the blog at WoolPets.TypePad.com. I have a second sponsor this week, and I'm going to let her speak for herself, since I had some pronunciation problems last week. This episode of Craft Sanity is sponsored by Aloha Okaaina, a handmade boutique for women and children's clothing that celebrates an endless summer style at a family-friendly price. Mention Craft Sanity at the checkout for a free insulated coffee or teacup cozy. Visit alohaokaaina.etsu.com. Okay, welcome to episode 99 of the Craft Sanity Podcast. This week, my guest is Nancy Minsky. She's the author of Denim Revolution, Dozens of Ways to Turn Denim Cast-Offs into Fashion Must-Haves. I got a chance to talk to Nancy about her career that preceded this book, which she had one of those high-power fashion careers. It really is interesting to hear her talk about the hectic days she spent um, as a fashion designer but and all the excitement that went along with that and how she's now using those skills to kind of cross over into the craft world. She wrote this book that really draws on that fashion training. She's put into a real clear how-to format some guidelines for the rest of us to take an old pair of jeans and transform them into some runway fashions. If you haven't seen the book yet, Denim Revolution, it's worth checking out. And as a special treat, Nancy has also done a little design work exclusively for Craft Sanity listeners. So be sure to check out the blog after the show. She's come up with a couple different things, an apron for adults and an apron for children. She also did some great illustrations for it, and it's another thing, too. um, We'll have links to Nancy's blog on craftsanity.com. You'll want to go over there and check out. She does these great fashion sketches every month, and she has them available to download as your screensaver. You can use it as a screensaver or whatever else, and they're free and really fun to look at. I know I like to go there every month to see what her sketch looks like because they're really, really pretty cool. So without further ado, I'm going to get to that interview so we can let Nancy tell her story. Why don't we start and talk a little bit about your history just as a creative person. You said you're from Portland originally. Did you grow up in a really crafty family?
1: I was always trying to make things as a kid, and my family was not crafty. Um, It was more like, you know, my older brother was into science, and my younger sister was into sports, and my other brother was into the woods and the forest, but I was always into sewing, and when my mom would say, what do you want to do, you know, I'll take you wherever you want to go on a Saturday, it was always, oh, I want to buy some fabric, and we would start going around to all the sewing stores in Portland, and I would look at everything, and I just, you know, find that, Actually, your roots are very, um, very strong when you're very young, even if you're not aware of them, mm-hmm. because today it's still something that I love wherever I go, wherever I travel. I'm looking for interesting, you know, notion and sewing shops or knitting or all kinds of handcraft um, books and materials and and things that people are doing. So um, it was just kind of something that was very strong inside me.
0: And so th- that it sounds like you just kind of continued to nurture that, or your your parents did. Um, and did you then go? I know you went to Parsons.
1: Right. Well, growing up in Portland, when I grew up there, wasn't so kind of hip the way it is now. And I was interested in art, but I didn't really think of fashion as a career. But when I went to New York, I went first to Pratt Institute as an art student there and realized being living in new york that first year how important fashion was and then transferred to parsons school of design and just from there it just took off i mean i was just so excited that passionate about what i had discovered was a whole world and a career and soaked up everything and went and upon graduating started working immediately for Calvin Klein, who then was really, you know, the place to work. Now it's a very traditional line, let's say, but back then that was like what Mark Jacobs or someone like that would be today, was very hip and exciting and cutting edge for America.
0: So was that job hard to get? Was that a difficult job to land coming out of college?
1: It was. It was. Um, it was a real coup, you know. Very exciting. And it was. And he was a wonderful person to work with. And it was a small uh, studio of assistants. It was very personal, and everyone was very devoted. It was exciting. It was a very exciting time, and I worked for him as a assistant on the designer line for two years and then i just wanted to explore other things in my life because it was a very demanding job um you really it was like 7 days 7 on 7 oh wow um yeah but i mean it was great when you're 21 22 23 but then you kind of want to i wanted to um to kind of start to define myself more and that's when i married and um and went off to become the designer of my own division, which was called Paul Alexander, and I designed there. It was like a bridge designer, just below designer, and it was really designing clothes that I love and my friends love, and um, was sold in all the big department stores in America.
0: And so, this was your own your own line of clothing. Yes,
1: not um, produced by a big manufacturer, and it was very successful. And, and I designed for about eight years, but then when my son was born, I just wanted to be a mom at home. And that's when I retired, <laughs> I call it. I made the choice to um, be at home, be more wife, mother, as opposed to, and not, the career was just too much to put into the whole package.
0: Well, yeah, because the, the fashion designers that I've interviewed, it sounds like it is not just kind of a, it's not a job that you leave. You go in at nine, you leave at five, and you're done.
1: You have to be very devoted because, especially in America, it is a huge market and you must feed the stores. Once, even small stores or large stores, it doesn't matter if it's Saks Fifth Avenue or a little store down the street, once they have your uh, line there, your clothes, and their customer starts to get used to it, you have to continually feed them that merchandise. They have to keep that space for you and they want to build up the customer base and so you it's like if you you cannot miss a collection no matter how tremendous it was the next one has to be just as good or better and it just takes constantly scorching the world for you know the fabrics the trims the workmanship the price everything you work very very hard to come up with the best product that you can for your customer and your price range and it is it's very exciting because you're you can do whatever your imagination um you know your all your desires you can you can fulfill them and that's very very exciting to have a vision of a certain kind of collection and be able to do it just the way you imagine it but it's also extremely demanding um so that's why a lot of people don't have the staying power because you just kind of burn out after a certain amount of years and only a few people really stay on and on and on especially I think it happens a lot with women when they have families Um,
0: journalism is kind of a 24-7 industry too and you can't You can't just turn it off and be like, all right, I'm done now. Um, I'm not going to pay attention to any news that breaks after 5 o'clock, you know. So I can kind of relate in that respect, but I didn't have the pressure to design a whole clothing line. (laughs) You know, and how many times are you doing that? Is it four times a year you have to have a new collection?
1: No. It's really you're basically shipping every month, so it's like 6 times a year. Oh
0: my goodness. Wow. Yeah, it's it's a
1: lot. But you know, the thing that's really wonderful about it though is that all of that, you know, creativity, all that experience everything, you don't lose it if you don't use it for a couple decades, you know, or let's say until your children are 15, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. When you turn it back on, it's all there. This is what I've discovered, and that's why it was so fun to write this book. In other words, it's not like it goes away. It's all there. All your talents as a journalist or mine as a designer, there's other ways that you morph it into other things. I don't see it as a negative thing that you put something on hold to work those kind of hours. When their timing's right, you, um, you, re, you redo, you do things in your home. Maybe it's with really creative food or the way you decorate your oh, home. Oh, yeah. The creativity whatever definitely
0: you, comes out in other ways. Yeah,
1: yeah, and it's very exciting. And then as the children get older, you have more time to, or for whatever reasons, when you want to put more time into your creative work professionally, you, the door just starts to open again and you start to do other things.
0: And so it sounds like that's worked out really, really well for you. Now, how many children do you have?
1: I have one son okay,
0: and he's old- twenty he's twenty now, okay, yeah, is he going into the creative uh job as well
1: um no, he's not actually yeah. <laughs> um, but he's very creative, but yeah. I think that right now he's leaning not toward that direction
0: yeah, well, it might be um you know given the economy um that might be a good move <laughs> because i think I think the starving artists of the world we we have a little bit tougher time
1: right, but you know what I think is a really good thing though now that's happening because of this financial crisis is that it's making a search for ways to fulfill our material needs or needs for freshness let's say in clothes or in things that we're making for the home we're searching to to invent new ways that's more about the environment more about spending less on throwaway things mm-hmm. So I think it's a really – I think there's a very positive side for the appreciation for handmade and for what you do yourself.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with you, and I think that the timing of your book was was absolutely perfect.
1: There were already some books out there about, in particular, making jeans over. But I felt that they – that a lot of the things look like you wear them. They look like, oh, you remade your jeans. And what I did in this book is – I actually gave you designs that are like designer, high fashion designs. And the idea is that you've made them yourself and you have all that pride, but they don't look homemade in the negative sense. They look really high fashion chic. In other words, they look like things that cost zillions from, you know, Gucci or whoever, Um, but they're not or diesel, or whoever it is, that they're they're things that you can make yourself. And I freely explain everything I can about the way to do it, you know, the way to get the proportion, the finishing, the way you should leave things raw finished, all the kinds of ways that you create these designs so that they look absolutely chic in a way that they could be in a really high fashion magazine. And I've also put a lot of effort into the way they've been styled. I took a photographer and a stylist who each have a lot of style and I had them style them up so that it also shows you how to wear them, um, with a certain, I'd say kind of a European flair just because it looks kind of European American. It's kind of that influence. And so, so it's a book about style, fashion and craft, And the reason I took denim to do it is because denim is such a wonderful fabric and we have so much of it. And as it ages, it's like a nice wine. It just creates other qualities that are beautiful. It's a beautiful cloth to work with, either if you cut it apart and remake it completely into something that you you don't recognize the jeans at all, or if if you take a pair of jeans and you're making it into a jean skirt and you know that it's a converted pair of old jeans... So both ways that you use it, all the characteristics of it are wonderful to work with. It's great for beginners, to experience people. It works wonderful with all different kinds of materials, applicator, you know, notions stitched on it. It's just this, it's a favorite of, you know, the world, a globally loved fabric. And so it's the combination of the two things, the idea of recycling and that denim is a wonderful fabric to use, and that I really wanted to show people how you can make gorgeous, high-fashion clothes out of cast-off denim.
0: I hadn't given a whole lot of thought to uh, recycled denim as high-fashion. I mean, I'll be honest, before I saw this book, it wasn't something that, you know, I spent a great deal of time thinking about, but I think it's just, it's a great idea. And I, I think the concept is wonderful, and I think it's accessible. And I think that's one of the big things is sometimes these great books come out, but people feel like, wow, that's great. I can't really do that, you know, and in this case, it's really inviting in the sense that this is something that you you break it down in a way that gives people who don't have a degree from Parsons a chance (laughs) to hang with you and actually get through to completion on these projects. One
1: thing in the book is that what you picked up on is that I'm really encouraging the people to be aware of what they're doing. And also in the book are my sketches that I do, and I love to do fashion sketches. And a lot of people come over to me and ask me all the time about how do you design or my daughter wants to become a designer or, you know, how do you sketch? And so in the book, I try to explain that and take the mystery out, let's say, because it's just like learning to knit or to sew or learning to ride a bike. You just have to practice and you learn to do it. And if it's something that you enjoy, well, then, of course, you learn you know more quickly at a higher level, but everyone can learn how to sew a beautiful garment and how to make a nice fashion sketch. It's just you have to just start and practice. Mm-hmm. And um, and in the book, I just try to bring up certain things to open someone's eye to certain ideas about what they're making, hoping that that will broaden them as a designer. Because it's really fun to be creative when you're making something and to have the confidence that you can you know, use your own imagination and achieve the vision that you have in your mind.
0: I think it's great. and The sketches are very helpful. It really does demystify the designs in this book because you do very clearly explain what people need to do. I'm really curious to see, too, what people have done. Have you heard from people who have been making projects from this book?
1: Yes. uh, I mean, it's very exciting. I think that they really enjoy it. Sometimes they copy what I've done and other times they've you know, as they've gone along, it's morphed into something else. Um, and it's also something that really teenagers to grandmothers, let's say, have picked it up. And so it's it's broad. It's to all ages. The other thing in the book, I mean, I put a lot of personal little hints about myself in it. There's pictures that were taken in my home here in Brussels. It's an old Belgium townhouse. but there's also things like a Pendleton shirt in photos showing my Portland background. I mean, there's lots of like little things about me, hand knit sweater, my mom knit. I mean, just a lot of little things in there about me that are kind of in the book. And it's kind of fun because I a little bit say, this is my world and I wanna share it with you. But there's another thing I wanna say that, you know, sometimes when people are making something, they can get frustrated, it's not working out. But but as a designer, I wanna say that's part of the creative process. That means you're challenging yourself. And that's actually a good thing. And it means just not to be frustrated, just to maybe step back from it a little bit, relook at what you're doing, and just realize that's you're being creative and you're challenging yourself and you're going to go to another plateau where that's going to be easy and there'll be other challenges. And so that's, that's like a fun part of the creating is not just when you make it, but it's when you're thinking about it, when you're planning it, when you're gathering the things. As you start to make it, it may change. It may be on the same track. And then at the end, you know, the satisfaction, the pleasure of wearing something or giving something that you've made. And all of that is I enjoy it all. I love it all. And that's. An, they're all part of making by hand. I hope that all the listeners enjoy all the steps to their crafting.
0: I'm glad you did point out that You sometimes get to that point, too, because it sounds like you're speaking from experience when you say sometimes things don't work out.
1: And to enjoy that kind of, I mean, not be upset, but enjoy all the process, even when it's
0: hard. Well, it's
1: the challenge of it, you know, really. In the book, each project, I started it with your challenge. And there I describe, and it's kind of like a project runway idea, because there I describe, this is your challenge. Like one of them, I say, let loose and create a wildly ripped, wonderful new pair of cool shorts. And this is the uh, timeout cargo shorts, and These I just very, go through very it. Very
0: wildly ripped.
1: I yeah, this say. one's like it's time to release all your stress and angst and recycle in a big way. I mean, that one is you know very. There's no rules on that one at all. <laughs> another one is create an upscale new look skirt. It's got to be very stylish and special with a pleated hem done up with interesting detailing, and that one is you know another kind of challenge. And so I kind of made it like a playful. Uh, project run- runway idea where each project has a challenge which is actually giving the inspiration the motivation the fun you know the glory of the of the project to make it because I think part of it when you're sewing is you're thinking about things and what are you thinking about and so I tried to convey that as a designer whenever I design something or whenever I do a fashion sketch and I sketch something I have a whole idea in mind you know about who is going to wear this? It may be me, it may be a friend, it may be someone on TV, it doesn't matter who, but I come to some particular person and then where is that person going to go and what are they going to be doing there? And so the design is actually for something in my, you know, it's a little story. And so when I'm going along and making it, it's easier for me to make the decisions because I'm thinking about who this person is and what they're going to be doing. And that's something that, you know, designers do when they make a collection is they have a whole theme of that collection. And it just makes it easy to let the pieces fall into place. And that's what I do also in the challenge as I, of the book is I kind of outline, who, you know, who that, what that theme was for that particular project. The book is really a fashion designer's book. You know, from that aspect.
0: Well, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about your path, working for Calvin Klein and then doing your own line and then uh, retiring, as you called it. Um, (laughs) But not your creativity, just the day-to-day designing that you were doing. And now you're kind of entering the craft world. And what has that experience been like for you?
1: Actually, in between, you could call me a soccer mom, okay? <laughs> Just kind of like that. And I was doing a lot of volunteer work and, you know, driving my son around to soccer and all the kinds of things and loving all of it. And then when he became a teenager and he became more independent, that's when I thought, oh my goodness, it was actually to help myself. I thought I better get busy doing something. Otherwise, I'm going to be with a lot of extra time and... You know, he needs his independence and I need to be active also. And so it was kind of like, save myself. What am I going to do? And that's how I ended up with this. And it's been a lot more wonderful than the first time when I was working professionally because I'm able to, with the experience, I'm able to enjoy more. I am able to, instead of feel the pressure and the stress and the need to be successful, now I can kind of look back and enjoy things more, like on my blog which I invite everyone to visit 21 com. I every month I do a free fashion sketch screensaver and it's just kind of a neat thing that every month I'm going to do this drawing that's going, I'm going to be on my Uh, computer screen all month so I better like it better express something to me I keep to fashion because sometimes I throw in some food you know because (laughs) it's also part of life but I pretty much just have kept the blog to fashion that's what the screensaver is and so it's kind of a neat thing where I you know I uh, bring myself every month to do that it's like keeping a journal but to always be you know, creating this monthly sketch and also filling the blog with, you know, some. there's a lot of uh, free DIY projects there and different influences that are happening in the fashion world or in the craft world. And so it's a really nice exercise to keep filling it with fresh ideas. Um, It challenges me. It's exciting to see, you know, the feedback and the interchange with other um bloggers. It's actually a very exciting time. I would say it's as exciting as when I was in my 20s in New York working as a designer. It's just... I, and I one thing I have found out is that your character remains the same. I mean when you are a person who becomes passionate about something, it's the same kind of passion. It may be in different directions, but it's the same thing all your life, and you just find other kinds of ways to satisfy that need mm-hmm. to be passionate and And so, I've really love coming back into the real world or the working world. I've loved it. And I loved having that pause in between. But these were all decisions that I've made along the way of what my needs were. So I think each person comes, you know, to different kinds of decisions based on different kinds of needs.
0: Did you make the decision that you wanted to write a book and then send out proposals? Or how did the book come to be?
1: I was contributing to some knitting books and knitting and crochet. And then one day, one of the publishers sent me an email in and asked me if I would write a book for them. And it just didn't quite work out because of the contract. And then the lawyer who was handling it felt kind of bad about that. And he then put me in contact with a wonderful agent, which I'm so, so lucky. And then she was the one who put me in contact with Pottercraft. Okay. So it kind of happened unexpectedly. Um,
0: Sometimes, about but I was
1: delighted once it yeah. got going. Yeah, uh, I was really thrilled.
0: Well, it sounds like you ended up in the place you were supposed to be because you're happy with this publisher, and it, you know, that's great. That's really great.
1: Yeah, I, I felt very, very lucky. It was a wonderful experience.
0: Well, and I noticed that you're publishing tutorials on your site as well. You have these pretty little denim slippers that look so fun. I've been actually eyeing these for weeks. <laughs> I think since you you published this. Well, it's, it's yeah, it was early April when you published the tutorial of how to make these really cute slippers out of denim. So are you going to be planning to keep doing more of that on your site?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I love that. I take a lot of things, free things off the internet, and I love to return and give free things. You know, fashion designers are sort of like grabbing ideas from everywhere. Right. And so I feel it's a you know revolving door I just love to give back anything anyone can take anything off my site it's all there for them on my blog and I try to put up lots and lots of free tutorials Um, sometimes I don't write up all the you know the notes but at least I'll put up the pictures and give a brief description that if you're experienced at all in that area you can follow it but I love doing that and I love that you've asked me to make a denim apron
0: yeah, I am. I am a total apron freak. It's actually totally out of control. I was up very, very late last night. I'm doing a Q and A blog tour thing with uh, Bets White, who has a book out, and hers is on, you know, kind of green crafting. I think it's green sewing. is her book, but um, anyway, she has a pattern in there for taking a men's dress shirt and making making aprons out of these. So of course, I fly over to Goodwill, and because uh, I didn't think my husband would appreciate me cutting up all of his dress shirts. Yeah. And I think if you can make an apron out of fabrics from your stash or repurposing a pair of your jeans, and um, what better fabric for an apron? I mean, denim is really durable and lovely. And, uh, yeah, so how's that going? How's your apron project going?
1: Well, I just love that you suggested it to me. And
0: I'm I'm still kind of shocked that you actually went along with it. Because oh my gosh. I suggest, just... I would, I would recommend that everybody design an apron and then tell me about it basically. <laughs> so, and I, I'm so thrilled that you would actually, as a, someone with an actual fashion design background has actually said, okay. I'm like, wow, that was really, that's great. You know, so, so thanks for uh, taking me up on that. I appreciate it.
1: Well, it's a brilliant suggestion. Okay. I just love it. And so I've cut it up. I, you know, worked it out and cut it up. So it's out of one pair of jeans. They're kind of teenage size jeans. So it's like any, you know, mid to adult size is going to work for one, one apron. And I was just trying to get it, you know, together enough that I could take it on my trip and do some hand sewing on it. But I just love the challenge. I mean, I just think that your idea is so fabulous to make a denim apron. You know, it's just, there are just so many different ways to do it. I'm going to give you one way, but I'm going to suggest some other ideas because they're just, you you know, you could go really in lots of different kinds of directions, uh, cowboy country to evening beaded or whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's such a neat fabric to work with. And as an apron, I just love it.
0: You know, I don't know how you feel about this, but um, as a designer, but I think one of the things for me, I'm kind of just putting my toe in the water as far as starting to sew some dresses. And, you know, I bought, I've been making aprons for a while and I really like that. And usually you work without a pattern. But for me, the most gratifying thing is when you make something and then you go out and you're wearing it. And someone says, oh, that's really cute. Where did you get that? I think, wow, that's great. Because they don't say, oh, you made that yourself, didn't you? <laughs> you know, I mean, if they can't really tell and they like it, it's, it's really fun. That's such a pleasure.
1: You see, I actually, I made my own wedding dress. I mean, I've always made everything. Okay, And, you know, when I go to a really special event, I always have to wear something that I make. It could be the jewelry. It could be the dress or the blouse or the jeans. It doesn't matter what. If it's something special, then I want something that I'm wearing to be something that I made. And so I guess it's just the feeling that you have, you know, the pleasure when someone compliments something that you're wearing, that they like it. There's something very satisfying. And to make something yourself... That you can enjoy or that you give to someone and they enjoy is a real pleasure that buying the perfect present isn't the same. And so that's all part of it.
0: Now, have you always been good at sketching? Because your fashion sketches are Um, really lovely.
1: Well, uh, yeah, let me, uh, you know what, I want to just explain really quick how a person should begin if they want to learn to sketch. Yeah, that'd be great. I get quite a lot of people asking me. And I used to even teach fashion sketching at Parsons. So it's something that, I mean, I love actually teaching people to do it. And because I, because you, people can learn, okay, and they think, oh, how do you do that? I'll never be able to do that. No, no, everyone can do it. First of all, to begin, it isn't that you should start, you know, drawing the body, um, you know, the stick figure or something. Or, you know, a lot of these fashion sketch books, books, they take you from the beginning, the body and all that. No, just... Zip straight forward, (laughs) fast forward, take one of my sketches, print it out, you know, letter size, and take a piece of tracing paper or go up to the window or light box, whatever, with another piece of paper on top of it, and just draw on top. You know, you're just going to draw on top of my sketch, so you're going to get all the proportions and the attitude that my sketch has. And when you draw, don't draw with an HB pencil. Draw with something that's like a, a 4B or even a 6B. Those pencils have a lot more density to the lead and they're going to give a lot more texture and it's going to make your sketch look really sketchy and stylish. And And so the first sketch you do is already going to look exciting and it's going to like inspire you because it's going to have, you know, it's going to look like a fashion sketch. And then you, you then you sketch on top again and again, and you'll start to feel more flowing with your, with your hand when you sketch, and it'll get a little more free, and it'll start developing with your own feeling, and it'll go away from my original uh, template, let's say, and become more like yours, because we all kind of draw ourselves. I mean, if you have, you know, straight hair or curly hair or short or long, or you're really skinny or more chubby or whatever you are you'll kind of find yourself sketching like yourself and it'll become more you and you'll like it and you'll be so it's not like you have to worry if you sketch over me that you are copying me no it's only your beginning and it's just gonna take you into your own you know your own signature sketch and when you sketch don't just copy me but also think what am i sketching like if you're sketching you know, yourself in your favorite pair of jeans with your favorite shirt and your favorite hat or whatever it is, or your favorite big bag over your shoulder. I mean, think about what it is you're sketching because it'll have a certain like confidence in it. Uh, There's a story behind it as opposed to just something that's false. And so, so think about the whole story about the person, who they are, what they're wearing, where they're going and use that you know really nice black 6b 4b even 8b pencils and sketch on top of mine and then start to make your own templates and then when you start to add the color i like to use colored pencils and again i like to use the ones with the soft lead and when you color in don't just color in like a a small child just the area but really think about the texture you know like a pair of jeans has worn parts to it and lay, you know, colors one on top of another and you start to get a depth to it and it starts to get a real lively liveliness about it. So anyway, that's just a way to kind of start thinking about it. And what happens then is that you start to feel comfortable with pencils and you start to sketch and then you, and then you see something in a shop and you're like, oh, I want to remember that. And then you start to sketch it down and then your sketches become a tool for you to remember ideas, remember thoughts, experiment with different kinds of proportions or colors, and it starts to become a natural tool. It just kind of grows into that. You know, I hope that that'll get you to sharpen your pencils.
0: (laughs) I think so. And so for art students, do they start, like when you go to Parsons, I mean, do they start students with like actually drawing, like you have a model come in and you're drawing like the body to get proportion and all that? Is that how it starts for if you actually go to design school? Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, we had um, a couple different courses, and one was with the live model, which is wonderful, because then you're really free. I would draw very large also, and she would be dressed in a certain way and have a certain style, and she may change every very fast sketches. I may change her position every five minutes, or maybe she would hold it for 15 minutes or a half hour, and you would have more time and do a more complete sketch. Mm-hmm. And then we would also do, well, you don't have a model and you're just developing more like a graphics idea of a sketch where you have paints and inks and you're really drawing things out into a certain kind of perfection. You're learning how to draw Fabrics. We had a whole course in that. And we had really masters that taught us. I mean, they were so wonderful. Parsons, the thing that's really wonderful about it is because it's right in the fashion area, you can bring people over because they're in three minutes, they're in the building. Right. So you're able to bring professionals. And so it's all about, even though there's a few teachers, it's really all about all the professionals that are brought in. So I had legendary teachers. It was great. And they inspire you. The other wonderful thing was the the other students. They're very competitive. The school actually, at that time, I think it's probably still the same, they actually encourage competitiveness, which has also a downside to it. But then the positive side is that it really spurs you to do your best, to search, to find what you're really capable of. Mm -hmm. And so it's a positive side, too.
0: And are you in contact with some of the designers that you went to school with?
1: Um. Yeah, a little bit. But, you know, so many years have gone by, and I've changed a lot. So, you know, I'm not in that much contact with that many, but a little bit. I wish I was in more contact. That's kind of too bad, you know. I have met such wonderful people and have not kept in contact as much as I should.
0: Do you think you'll ever come out with another clothing line? Is that something you ever want to do again?
1: I think about it a lot, that I'd like to do something very sincere that would really mean a lot to me. I mean, if you saw my to-do list, you would just go, I'm sure yours is as long as mine. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's so amazing what you do. I'm just so impressed. It's so exciting. I think that you're a real trailblazer. And, thank you You know, but I have, you know, I have my little to-do list and it's on you know, there are things on there like to finish this apron. (laughs) And it's also on there, what I want to sketch. I mean, if you saw the things, my things that I'm taking on my trip it's crazy I mean what am I thinking about to bring all these things oh yeah
0: I always bring like way more projects than I could ever possibly accomplish but I think there's nothing more frustrating than being on a trip and not having your stuff like yeah okay (laughs) (laughs) I mean just I'm comforted by the fact that yes my back is about to break because I have too much stuff in my backpack that I don't need. But I'm comforted at the same time by the fact that should I need my turquoise Sharpie, it's right there. And on my list is certainly
1: to design. But, I mean, if you, if you saw the things that I want to, you know, design and whatever. But I'll probably do it. But um, not tomorrow. My plate's really full right now. But I'll probably do it.
0: Because you're on a trip. Where are you going to be going?
1: Um, Well, it's really very interesting because first we're going to London, so many things to see there. And anyone who's into crafts, it's like very, very exciting. I mean, if you just go to Liberty, which is a famous store, let alone, you know, all the other places. But you're going to find in this beautiful, beautiful department store, they have a wonderful craft department because it's really part of their culture. And I've always Bought the most beautiful fabrics and threads, embroidery threads and yarns and things there and little notions. I mean, it's just. I mean, I would say it's like maybe in, in you know in New York Bergdorf Goodman. Imagine going in there and there's a big floor and a big signature of the store would be crafts.
0: I think that's just that racks. The British know. What yeah, you're to man.
1: Yeah. And, you know, there's <laughs> one other thing, you know, just talking about, you know, the British, they're also, they really know about mending. And, you know, when we talk about, you know, my book is like new fashions, but there's also something about mending things. In other words, with this credit crisis right now, I think it's really neat to look at things and to repair them. And it can be repairing them in ways that are reinventing them, or it can be repairing them with things like patches or right. whatever. But, I mean, I think that's really neat to look with fresh eyes at anything before you throw it out. Because a lot of the different containers that, you know, products come in are not going to be used anymore because of the environment. And you're never going to see them again. And so don't just throw them into your recycle bin. Some of them you want to keep because they're very exciting to use them for crafts.
0: Like, what ones do you recommend? What comes to mind as something people should be keeping?
1: Well, I've recently been making a lot of jewelry out of all kinds of plastic. Yeah, I saw you know.
0: that. Did you come up with this design, or is this something you found were inspired by somebody else?
1: Someone said something to me on a blog. I can't remember what it how it first started, but it was something that they, you know, kind of like a challenge, an idea.
0: Oh, okay. And.
1: And so that's how it happened. But it wasn't that I saw it, that someone else has so done it, but is I'm sure... Of-
0: this has been your response to that challenge and you developed yeah. this. Okay. And tell, tell people what you did.
1: Well, then I, you know, collected all the water bottles and empty plastic containers that food and cleaning supplies come in. And then I just kind of started playing with them, you know, yogurt containers and everything. And I started making jewelry that I'm wearing because it's big, it's bold, it's light, so you can make it really big which I love high fashion things that are you know important looking and and people love it and they would never and when if I tell them oh that's my cottage cheese container they don't know what to say because they're not (laughs) necessarily they're like what you know because it looks so different see part of the thing is that I think that you know you like to eat organic food but you don't always want to look organic you want to look stylish you know beautiful fresh and so i think part of the fun thing of recycling is doing it in a way which is like the way you want to look and um, with all these plastics i mean you can make the most beautiful jewelry and all the you know magazines and paper that come to the house and i mean just keep it because it's interesting you can make you know little notebook covers and there are many ways to use them and they they just you know, wrap presents in them, I mean, just in my room where I keep all my sewing and knitting and all my craft supplies, I have all kinds of recycles that I keep clean, and I store them you know so they will stay dust free and they're just you know sources, just like some rhinestone buttons are. It's the same, but anyway, after London, we're going to um the Cotswolds, which is a really beautiful, charming area. And it's just this most scenic area of gardens and little cottages. And it's really full of charm. You're gonna see a lot of aprons there, okay? (laughs) Some really, really beautiful. And from there, we're going to Greece to an island called Santorini, which is supposed to be just beautiful scenic island. And it's kind of off season, so it should be nice because it should be more empty and fresh and beautiful. And then um, back to London for a few more days and then back to Brussels. The very very beautiful places and I really look forward to seeing the people, seeing the sights and coming back with a big pile of inspirations.
0: So how long's your trip? 10 days. Okay. Wow, you're doing all that in 10 days?
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: <laughs> wow. I thought I guess I was expecting you to say like 3 weeks or something. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's going to be fun. A whirlwind of inspiration. Yeah. yeah that'll be mm-hmm. great. Thanks to Nancy for being a guest on the podcast. I really enjoyed the conversation and learned a lot about the fashion world. So I'm always really intrigued by how people are able to come up with that many designs every season and kind of keep up that pace. I'm just thrilled to hear Nancy talk about how she's reinventing her own career and showing us how to make some really cool stuff out of the old jeans so I know I have a whole stack of jeans that I can't part with but they don't fit so now I have some ideas about what I can do with those old cast-offs. If you head over to the blog we're going to have links to Nancy's website and we'll also have those projects for you to download and try the aprons that we talked about. Those are really fun so I hope you enjoy that and uh, check back later in the week and I'm going to try to uh, see if I can get another giveaway set up so look for that. I'd like to take another opportunity to thank this week's sponsors for supporting the show. A special thanks to Lori at WoolPets.com for her support. Uh, You can check out her shop at WoolPets.com and find a variety of felting supplies and kits. And you can read the blog at WoolPets.TypePad.com. And the second sponsor, I'm going to again kick it back to the sponsor and let her promote her shop Aloha Oka'aina, a handmade women and children's clothing boutique celebrating an endless summer style at a family-friendly price. Mention Craft Sanity at checkout for a free insulated coffee or teacup cozy. AlohaOka'aina.etsy.com. That's A-L-O-H-A-O-K-A-A-I-N-A.etsy.com. Okay, thanks again, ladies, for your support. I appreciate it. I do want to tell you that uh, I did start a Ravelry group for Craft Sanity. So those of you who are on Ravelry, uh, I'm finally using my account, which is ridiculous. It's probably actually a good thing that I didn't start using my account any sooner because I am completely addicted and I'm joining tons of groups and haven't had a lot of time to make a bunch of comments yet, but I have a feeling that's going to start soon. And I really have enjoyed the Ravelry experience. So if you're on Ravelry um, and you'd like to join the Craft Sanity group, uh, feel free to do that. It's a, I have a couple other people helping with moderate, which I really appreciate. So there's people who can take some action if I'm, you know, I'm not uh, noticing that there's some action that needs to be taken. So I'm still learning about Ravelry and everything that's possible with it. If you're not on Ravelry and you like fiber art and knitting, crocheting, spinning, designing, all that good stuff. I encourage you to check it out. I need to talk to those folks at Ravelry because what they've created is really fantastic. Okay, well, I think I might have a short after show, so if you'd like to stick around for that, feel free. If not, you know, I wish you all well, and uh, I'll be back soon with another episode of Craft Sanity. In the meantime, Craft Sanity, my friends, it works for me. Okay, it's time for the after show, and I'd like to welcome my controversial co-host, Jeff Haywood, back to the show.
1: But, I'm, but, but, I'm surprised oh, you're letting me back.
0: Well, yeah, but first, before you say anything else, we need to do something here. Wait. What? Okay. What? Yeah, just go with this. Mm. Believe me, I'm trying to save my mm. show here. Mm. Yeah, mm. I think that's better. I think that's better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do this out of love for you and my podcast. Mm. Yeah, folks. Episode ninety eight was a little bit, a little controversial, I'd say, and uh, mm-hmm. I felt really bad that there were some people that were offended by episode ninety eight of the podcast. And you know, I do this not for money because um, I definitely don't make any money. If anything, this this podcast costs me money. But I love it. I really love to talk to creative people from all over the world and share their stories with you. I think definitely 98 was different than the other episodes and that the guest was, uh, Jennifer was definitely more outspoken than a lot of the guests I've had. However, I thought it was important to give her a chance to say what she wanted to say. and um, But yeah, at the, at the same time, we still tried to hold her accountable for, you know, the fact that she was... She's an Etsy seller, and she was dogging Etsy, and um, I thought she was pretty honest about her feelings. And clearly, when you're listening at home and you don't get a chance to respond um, directly to the person, I'm sure it can be frustrating if you don't agree with the person who's speaking. I was pleased to see that you know people did when I said, "Hey, you know, comment if you know if you feel strongly about this comment on the blog," and people did. So I thought that was good. Also, the comment that Jeff had made, the joke that has kind of um, took on a life of its own when he was talking about, well, if you didn't hear it, go ahead and listen to the after show for episode 98 and you can see what you think. But I do just want to reiterate that if it wasn't clear from my response to Jeff's comment and joke that he made about um, Republican listeners, I, by all means, uh, want to keep every listener that I have. And I'm I don't have any kind of party allegiance myself. I'm a journalist, and I have maintain independence, and um, so I'm uh, definitely not trying to encourage one particular party or the other to uh, listen to the podcast. Jeff is really the reason why I even have this podcast. He gave me the idea to do it. I know he, he felt bad as well, because, I mean, we're definitely not trying to upset people, so... You know, I hope that there are 97 other examples and now maybe 98 examples of podcasts where hopefully you were inspired and didn't feel offended at the end. So, those of you who've got offended by that, I apologize. That's not, definitely was not our intent. Anyway, we're past that. We're moving on. And I am uh, approaching my Independence Day. Uh, July 2nd is my last day as a staff writer at the Grand Rapids Press. I have some uh, feature stories I'm going to be doing for the paper after that, and it's my my hope that I will be able to continue my craft column, and I'll just be writing from home and uh, hopefully having some more time to make some things and uh, get working on a couple book proposals and just kind of revise my my list of things that I'd like to do. So so yeah, I'm going to be a freelance writer as of the beginning part of July, and uh, nervously excited about all my newfound independence that I will have, so... Yeah, so if you guys have opportunities that you know about that you think I'd fit in well with, uh, don't be shy about sending me information about that because I'm going to be uh, paying very close attention to any opportunities that come up. Um, I'm not looking to launch into a another full-time job unless it's a job that allows me to do my podcast, write book proposals, and <laughs> work from home. <laughs> but I am looking to pick up freelance assignments and you know just any kind of other fun opportunities that might be out there. So... Yeah, I think I can. Uh, I've rambled long enough. Jeff, is there anything I'm missing here? mm Okay, well, I'm going to let you guys go, and I'll be back soon with another exciting episode of Craft Sanity. So have fun in the meantime. I'll be back soon.